after show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review our show. I'm your host, Wayne Lou, and for today, I'm joined by co-host and producer Alex Wong. Thrilled to be here. Yeah, what's up, man? Happy hump day, everybody. Yeah, nice. Everybody's struggling through in their office jobs right now. We're here. So yeah. one hour of reprieve. Includes you as well. And oh, uh, yeah, also right. Oren Weisfeld of Raptors Republic, Complex, you know, where else? Yahoo, Yahoo Sports Canada, Slam. Yeah, the new free, the yep. new freelance king. I've seen, I've seen your photo Toronto. on the CBC as well. A long time ago. Yeah. Hey, excited to be here. Talk, talk hoops. Talk, yeah. uh Two, two monotone gods. Let's in the talk building. about two model franchises, the Toronto Raptors and the Brooklyn Nets. Let's do it. Yeah, look, listen, we, we're going to have to double as a Brooklyn Nets podcast because I think they're just like too despicable not to talk about, but we'll sort of save that for a little bit later. Um, first off, let's talk about transition offense, all right, which is something that Alex loves oh God. to chat about. Pan right? the camera to Oren. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He got this. Well, listen, Oren, you wrote a piece about the Raptors transition offense for Yahoo Sports Canada. Um, so I think for most Raptor fans, we understand that the transition offense has been a backbone of the team and a strong point of the team for the last couple of seasons here. Um, but you're noticing so far, seven games in, that the efficiency has increased. So I kind of wanted to sort of start there. What's going on? How do the Raptors get even better at what they do really well? Yeah, well, first of all, I think there's a little bit of a misconception in terms of like last year's team because they ran so much that people kind of assume that that's how their offense was good, was just by being a really good transition team. And last year, they were actually pretty poor in transition. Like, they did run, I think, the second most in the league, but their efficiency was, like, kind of towards the bottom half of the league, like around 20th or something, if I remember right. Mm. So there is a bit of a misconception there to start with. And it's like, okay, so how are the Raptors going to have success offensively this season? Last year, really, it wasn't the transition offense so much as it was just creating so many other chances and just winning the the possession battle to such a historic degree that like even being really inefficient in doing that it didn't matter because they did it to such a crazy extent through turnovers and through offensive rebounding so it's like this season are they going to be able to do the same format or is the book going to be out on them a little bit right yeah in terms of that offensive rebounding and the turnovers so what we've seen through the first seven games at least is like they're not doing it the same way. They have hardly offensive rebounds. Their turnovers are down a little bit. But the transition offense has been, like, one of the most efficient in the league, both off rebounds and steals. Mm. And that's kind of the genesis of the piece. And I just wanted to learn about, like, okay, why is this happening? Like, what has actually improved? Okay, well, yeah, why is this happening? Why is it improved? I think a couple things, for sure. Like, one is just internal development. So guys okay. like Precious Achua actually has a handle now to where he's pretty comfortable putting the ball on the floor. And, like, if just one guy is in front of him, you've seen a couple times this year, he'll, like, Euro step his way into to the rim and make it all the way there without any help. Mm -hmm. Siakam obviously is doing that a lot, just being really aggressive. Like, a lot of the time, Siakam is just drawing contact when it's, like, a one-on-four interest. He doesn't even have the numbers, but yeah, yeah. he's just so aggressive. And, and so that's, like, internal development. The other thing is just, like, they're way more organized in transition. So, whereas last year you might see a Chris Boucher bring the ball up the floor or OG Ananobi a lot, like now it's like, okay, Barnes, Siakam, or Fred Van Vliet almost always are the decision makers in transition. Okay. So, after the defensive rebound, the ball is finding them pretty quickly, and those guys are making decisions, and 
the spacing has been a lot better for them to actually make good decisions. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like the two biggest things. I mean, so that approach, right, um, where they're looking for their three best playmakers, it makes a lot of sense. But sometimes they have the downside of slowing you down a little bit Mm -hmm. just in case those guys aren't the ones at the top of the floor when the break happens or when the possession flips. Um, And that's something where I think if Nick had his way, he would have all five guys push. Mm -hmm. But I think that's a good assessment for last year because when we saw guys like Precious have the green light Mm -hmm. before he was fully ready or some of the other guys getting the green light, it didn't fully make sense. I feel like this year, it's more like a yellow light. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, just make sure, like, no one's turning. Yeah. And, you know, and, just, like, make sure you can get through traffic and, and actually finish. Yeah, and one thing that's kind of a middle ground of that is, like, Precious can grab a rebound, take two dribbles, but then if there's a guy in front of him, he can find Pascal, okay. who can then continue the transition attack without slowing it down because Precious started it, but he's not the main decision maker doing it. Mm-hmm. So that's, like, a little bit of a middle ground. But definitely there is... I think in general this season a bit more of a yellow light in terms of, like, the shot selection. Like, Pascal has the ball way more than we saw last year. Like, they're way more intentional about who has the ball, who's taking the shots. Whereas last year it was like, all right, go go have fun, guys. You know? (laughs) Yeah, it did have a bit of that vibe last season. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think, Alex, just from what you have seen of the team with your your keen eye of of tactics – has has the need for a transition offense for the Raptors been as dire as it was last season? Because it just felt like last year, so half-court offense, the Raptors just weren't that efficient. Mm. I think that was a big focus of this uh, team coming into this year. Does the half-court offense look better where you don't have to rely as much on the transition? No, I feel like I feel like they still need the transition as a huge part of what they do. You know, I think, okay. you know, you look at the three-point numbers and I think you look at Pascal and you look at how they've done in the half-court. I'm, I'm sure the numbers are pretty promising. Like through the first they're not seven games they're not okay they're good not. then it passes the Stephen LeBron eye test, um, but yeah like no I definitely think you look at a game like they had against Atlanta which I'm not sure they're gonna do that every night like having the yeah. 43 points in transition like they need that as part of their offense just to win some of these games just easier like I don't I don't want to see I don't want to see them having those slugfests against the Miamis and like even the Philadelphias like like every night like that was the one thing that stood out to me last year too that, you know, triggered all the conversation about all the minutes that the starters were playing. Like, they were forced to play all those minutes because we were playing co- close games all the time. Yeah. Like, yep. where are the games where they're able to just have the breathers like they did on Monday against Atlanta? We used to see that all the time, right? And I think that's, like, the hallmark of a, of a team that's more consistent, that's getting better, and that's taking care of business. So, um, I guess to answer your question, yes, um, I do feel like they uh, still need that transition mm. uh, offense as, as part of their package. All right, well... No, I think that is also where I stand. But to me, it's like how much of the way you play on defense is geared towards fueling that transition offense, right? Because sometimes when you look at the Raptors, they do sell out a lot defensively Mm. to try to force some of those turnovers so that they can get on the fast break more. Uh, I made the comparison to soccer a lot because, you know, this just my personality, I guess. I love soccer. (laughs) Your personality is soccer. Honestly, it kind of is. But... um, and no, a scooter back from the shop. <laughs> yes, I did scoot into Got work. Got some repairs today, yesterday. Yeah, it's, it's all good. You it's want a back. test drive? No, man, don't. For anybody that, you know, has a scooter, just wear a helmet. Just be safe. And stay out of the bike lanes. Uh, Aren't that's they supposed to be in the bike lanes? Somehow mm. I disagree with all of this. Mm. I don't know. Okay. Um, it's city, tough being in the bike camp. lanes in general. You get yelled at by cars. 
by civilians, All by right. bikes. Anyways. Do you want to pivot to a conversation about how we can have yeah, more it's probably too early. Probably efficient too early. transit in the city? It's never too early. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, no. anyways, you were talking about soccer. No, you no, make no, the comparison. Yeah, in, in soccer, a lot, a lot of times teams like organize their teams to uh, attack using their defense, right? They want to win the ball high up the pitch, and then they can create a quick chance. It's almost like that for the Raptors in a way. But, like, Oren, defensively, do you think the Raptors are – as much tilting towards trying to force turnovers and deflections to, to fuel the transition break, or are they just sort of playing more solidly on defense and finding other ways to spark the fast break? It's both. Like, to, to get into, like, the nitty-gritty numbers, like, last year they were really good in transition off steals, mm-hmm. but off defensive rebounds they were really inefficient, right? Okay. This year they're good in both areas. So off defensive rebounds, like, there's a couple plays you'll notice where, like, Nick will call it, like, semi-transition, where mm-hmm. a guy will walk it up the floor, make it seem to the defense like, oh, I'm just, we're going to get into our half-court set, and then, bam, like, fire it up the floor, and then it's quickly a, a transition opportunity. Um, but... To your question, and you were talking about this yesterday, I think, with Paul Jones about, like, how Coloco lets them play even more aggressively, right? Yeah. Defensively. I definitely think they're at least just as aggressive this year, and they do use their defense to fuel that transition. And, like, to Alex's point about the half-court offense, because I was also curious. I thought it did look better this season, honestly, so my test is wrong, but they're 24th in transition in half court offense this season sorry up from 26 last year so pretty much along the same lines right mm. so the half court offense has not been very efficient they're relying a lot on that transition and yeah i think i think the defense is like a huge part of that and like one thing that i got cut from the story was nick nurse talking about like how if you get a stop in transition and then you blow the layup or you turn it over sorry if you get a stop on defense and then you blow the transition opportunity that's really like disappointing for your defense the next time you run down the floor and it's like sure yeah for yeah. the team spirit kind of thing right yeah, whereas yeah. if you get a bunch of stops and every time you get a stop you're actually scoring the ball like that provides a pep in the step for the defense where it's like all right let's go let's get another steal let's do this again so i i think there's when it comes to the defense and the transition offense i think they like play off each other quite well and it's like a positive feedback loop in a way yeah no i i think that's essentially how it should be right and nick has spoken about the motivational aspect of how hard he wants the guys to play on defense he wants some kind of reward i I think the other thing too that's feeling the transition is just this is a big improvement from last season the season before the raptors are number one in the nba right now the defensive rebounding percentage yep we have seasons previously where they were like 20th like in that 20 to 25th range right and a lot made a lot of sense they didn't have a lot of mobile centers they're playing two guards you know like they just weren't that good at defensive rebounding this season, they're literally number one in the league so far. Yeah. Now, I think some of that has to do with the matchups because you've played Philly twice. Philly, uh, well, just basically Doc Rivers teams in general don't crash the glass too hard. So if you play those two uh, out of your seven games, that's going to probably dictate a little bit of your rebounding percentage. But I also think at the same time, like outside of Nick Claxton, who somehow miraculously won a game from the Nets against the Raptors, yeah. one of their two wins on the season, um, the Raptors haven't had much issues with offensive rebounding. This is despite playing guys uh, like Bam Adebayo yep. against Jared Allen, against Evan Mobley. They're strong, like even Joel Embiid, obviously, right? Like yeah. they're they're stronger on the glass this year. So I, I kind of want to know, like, what are you seeing on that front? Like, who is sort of leading the charge? Are they doing anything different schematically? And also, obviously, now that you're grabbing more rebounds, you're able to run even more. Yeah, I'm glad you asked this because this was another thing that got cut from the story, and it's more of a Damn, theory. Who's your editor? It's more of a theory than anything. Yo, call, call out your editor. No, right no, now. it's really my fault. I write Rank too many words. Rank your editors in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. Alex, I write, I write too many words. But okay, 
first of all, like they're just making a better effort to to gang rebound. And I think that was okay. really evident against Atlanta last game, another really big team. Uh, those guys are just, there's several of them going for the rebound. And, and like Pascal is a huge part of this. He's yeah. been the best rebounder on the team so far this year, I think. He's averaging nine and a, nine, nine and a half rebounds so far this, this season. Right. So yeah. clearly he, he's had a little bit of an emphasis put on that. Um, the other thing, which again is a theory like I, I just thought of, but I'm not, I'm not sure how true it is. I'd, I'd be curious to ask Nick about this is like you said that, I don't know how you framed it, but basically maybe it's that the transition offense is so good and opposing coaches are so scared of it mm. that they're hesitant to send guys to the offensive boards. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good theory. Right. Like, because you kind of like that a lot because most teams can't do what the Raptors did last year, which was like be really good in the offensive rebounding department and transition defense. Usually yeah. those things don't go hand in hand. So I think, and based on comments that Spo made and doc rivers made about like how scary the Raptors transition offense is. Maybe they're scared to send a lot of guys to the boards against them, mm. and they'd rather just get back to avoid that transition attack. Not that it worked too well for those coaches, but like, yeah, yeah, th- that's a theory. Well, I mean, I, I I think that's sort of just like a matter of preference and tactics from the coaches, because mm. you could also argue that if we send more people to the offensive glass, the Raptors need to commit more people to the defensive glass, and therefore keep them out of transition, right? Like, so it, that, that's really just like a tactical preference, I think, from each coach. And I'm sure we'll see different approaches as the season goes on. But, yeah. I mean, I think so far, like, I don't know, Alex, like, are, I feel pretty good about the way the Raptors are able to lock down when they really need to. I, I don't fully expect a 48-minute effort defensively because of the fact that just very few teams do that. But when you see stretches of dominant defense, like they played against Atlanta, in the second half of the first, uh, it's like the second half of the second quarter, and also just the entire second half period. Uh, or you see stretches of lockdown defense against Philly in that first game, or um, you know, I, I guess Cleveland in the fourth quarter. They had a really good effort as well. Like to me, I feel pretty confident about this team's ability to defend when they're focused. Now, of course, they've had letdowns like the the Maxi game, but we can kind of get over that. All right, well, like we can stop talking about Maxi on every episode. It's been a week. You're um, the one that keeps bringing him up. I know, like, I know. Unprovoked. I was just so he's, upset with that effort. He's clearly in your head still. Yeah, well, he's uh, he also scored 75 points in the span this of two man, days. This man legit momentarily considered renaming the Gerald Henderson Award. <laughs> that's how bad. Yeah, that's I'm, how keep, I'm bad keeping it, by the way. I'm keeping it as Gerald Henderson. I'm sorry. No, you, you, have, you have to. to. You had to have been there for Gerald. No, I think, the, I think you're right about the defensive effort. I think... You know, when you see the Raptors at their peak on defense, yeah. like, you want to see that all the time. Like, that's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, so much is made about, like, the first seven games and the level of competition that they have to play, right? Yeah. And I know I keep going back to this, but I'm like, okay, like, when you have a stretch now where you're playing, like, say, Houston and OKC, like, I know OKC's playing well, and even the Spurs are playing tonight. The Spurs are playing really well this season, right? Yeah. So, like, Name three Spurs for me. Uh, right Devin Vassell, uh, <laughs> Yaka Pertle, uh, Doug McDermott. Nice, Ooh. nice, nice. Ooh. So close. Nice. Um, so so Chan, uh, the rookie. Um, yeah, but uh, Gohan, <laughs> Goku. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think when you're playing these other teams, like I don't want to. I want that consistency when they're playing like a Charlotte, you know, like yeah, yeah. against a Houston. No, against the Spurs tonight. Yeah, but you talk about like oh, like we shouldn't expect teams to play at this level of defense for 48 minutes, like mm. during the regular season. Yeah, sure, but also we shouldn't let them off the hook. When they're oh, inconsistent, they don't get let off the hook. No, bro. but that's no, but that's the thing. The like that's again, it just goes back to like, are you trying? Like, yeah. what's the mark of this team? Right? That's true. That's true. Like the yeah. mark of this team, like they talk so much about 
the roster construction. They talk so much about, you guys talked about it here too, like the advantages that you have when you have all these wings, you know, getting out in transition, using the defense to counterattack and all this stuff. Well, I want to see the defense too consistent to that. Like yeah. we shouldn't be letting them off the hook. Like that was the problem with them last year. The first 50 games was they were just a wildly inconsistent team. Yeah. And I think they need to get rid of that this season. No, I agree with you. I agree. Wow. Great hoop talk, man. This yeah. Is yeah. That took all my energy, man. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I'm going to ask more the rest back of the Back to Orrin Weissfeld. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. I'm going to oh, flip the possession oh, once God. again. Um, yeah. I, I think the other thing too that you, you mentioned in your piece, Orrin, going back to the transition uh, scoring and the efficiency there is just the, obviously the take foul, right? Like the take foul has been eliminated from the game. It's, there's obviously the new penalties. We've seen it a couple of times in Raptor games already where uh, opponents, you know, when they intentionally foul and the rest have been pretty good about this, by the way, like I've been watching like lots of games, obviously. And um, yeah, across the board, like even in like borderline plays where there were like, it kind of looks like a play on the ball. The refs are like, no, you're making a swipe at the ball on a three one scenario. We're going to give that take foul. You know what and I mean? This so, is the this is best, best decision that Adam Silver has made since suspending Donald Sterling. Wow. And in between, he's had no hits. He has yeah. had zero no, hits in no, between. But like the take Not foul. a good time to be praising Don, uh, Adam Silver. <laughs> no, we ain't praising Adam Silver. Well, NBA is in his flop era right now. But like... um, We just need Donald Sterling to buy the Nets. I feel like the... Oh, God. They, they, um, they really complete the, the cycle of villainy. Oh, man. Yeah. But yeah, like having the take foul and all this stuff now, like it's... I think it's just changed the viewing experience a lot. Like, yeah, I used to get so frustrated. Yeah. Just the fact, like, why are you taking the fast break, which is essentially just a component of, of a basketball game? They essentially took that out of the game. Like, teams were just degree, able yeah. to foul. To like, not degree, to some yeah. degree, like, to a whole degree, I feel like. Yeah. Like, so many, like, you know, if a defense is able to create that advantage, why are they allowed to, to foul to take that advantage back? And, and I'm, I'm happy now that the new rules are in. Like, it actually changes the experience for me, yeah. at least. But I don't think they got it right in terms of, the actual writing of the rule. Because in FIBA, if you try to stop a fast break, regardless of how you go about doing it, it's a take foul. So it's a shot in the ball. Whereas in the NBA, if you go for the ball, right, mm. then you don't get the take foul. As the, I've if seen the, it called. It's like, so arbitrary. Too. That's what I'm trying to say. Like yeah. Kyle Lowry, I don't know if you watched the Heat Warriors game last night. Great game. Yeah, so I don't know if you remember a play where Kyle was asking for a take foul and the guy i forget who it was on the warriors basically just body checked him in transition i think it was draymond didn't go for the ball at all didn't get the take foul but the refs called it as going for the ball so that's one like amendment i'd like to see made to okay. just a quick change to the rule where it's like you try to stop anything in transition with a foul regardless of if you go for the ball or not it's a take foul because right now the refs are having like a pretty tough job legislating it i think but okay to to the point about like maybe it's helping the transition offense like Kevin Pelton wrote at ESPN that points per game is at the highest we've ever seen to start this season. Makes uh, sense. 114 yeah. points per game. And he was saying maybe a part of the reason is because the take foul and, and transition offense in general, transition efficiency is up. Mm. So, yeah, I think I think it is playing a factor. I asked Nick Nurse. He did not give uh, me anything. He said that... <laughs> He's like, <laughs> he said he didn't notice anything so far in which, terms of which I'll let you with this time. Or <laughs> yeah, he he didn't notice that the Raptors were getting helped by the take foul. Yeah. But if you think about it, like they played Kyle Lowry twice. Yeah. Kyle is a guy who loves to do this before this year, right? Yeah. He yeah. would love to stop the transition attack if they didn't have numbers. So mm -hmm. I think the Raptors have been helped by that, just in the fact that Kyle never took one. Um, in those two games, and I think that's like that's just one vet who who used to do it a lot. Yeah, that's fair. And you know, I, I think um, 
I, it's just it just makes sense. Like this is the way the Raptors want to play. Like I think that that game against Atlanta was like as close to like peak Raptors as we have seen all season, right? Um, where they're just like they're so suffocating on defense and they're able to translate it to easy buckets going the other way all the time. So I mean, like I think this is a great piece. I think people should all go read it. It's up on Yahoo Sports Canada and. Um, you didn't read the lead. You usually read. Oh, let me read lead. the lead. Hold on, hold yeah, on. Let me be your editor. Oh, this no, one, this is one of Will's is... go-to moves. Here's what we know about the Toronto Raptors. We know they pride themselves on their defense, deploying some of the best defenders in the world and one of the most aggressive defensive schemes in the league, forcing turnovers at a top two rate in each of the last three seasons. Bit of a run-on sentence. Yeah, I gotta say. Oh, okay. The, the, uh, the lead is. Uh, <laughs> no, editor oh, Will okay. says uh, maybe uh, use one one period. We, we at some bring point. that song no, to, to edit them. Okay, yeah. The lead's too long, but I'll say in terms of the just because I don't want you to read anymore. Yeah. Uh, OG deserves a lot of credit here. If we're talking oh, okay. about why the Raptors have been able to force a lot of turnovers and be a good defensive team and and leak out in transition, like yeah. he had five steals and a half last night. Yeah. I, I genuinely just think that. Even though people are starting to be like, oh, OG should make an all-defensive team, I actually think like what he's done to start the season is underplayed hmm. in terms of I can't name like three defenders who have been better than him to start this season. I really can. Hmm. And I've been watching a lot of the league this year. Like yeah. every single game, he has not shown up offensively every night, but every single game to start the season, he's been a difference maker defensively. Yeah. And so that's his job though, right? That's his job. It's like, I give him some it's, credit, it's like we come on uh, every single game. There's a react pod, and every single day from Monday to Friday, there's uh, there's the Raptor show. Like, oh, okay. So are no, you I saying, are you I, saying I, you're not giving? No, OG I, I want any the credit. defense at a high level, listen and I want the offense. Emma J. Brown. No, I want both. Okay. Okay, but that's I I get it, and we haven't gotten that every game this season. Okay. But I'm just talking about the defense yeah, right now. Uh, defensively, he's brought it for sure, and, and I think he's brought it like better than he has ever has, yeah. and and. Yeah, I think he should be in that list of, like, top five defenders in the league right now. So maybe okay. this is the year, and we can make the push later on in the year. I if, mean, this if, is our job now. If we, it's our deserved, job is to be a propaganda outlet. If it's deserved, like, this is the year where the voters can't be like, oh, the Raptors are just such a great defensive team, but we can't really pick one person. Oh, Like, does, this, this is the year no, they got to pick one that was, person. That was the Cyclo argument. That was the Cyclo argument for when the Raptors were second in the NBA right. defense. Right, they're like, I can't really pick one. It's, you know, I could pick Mark. I could pick... Who was it? Who else? Like Kyle? Like they just never pick yeah. one person. Yeah, OG, right? I think Fred. this year has been clear because. Well, let's make that push. Then. I think Precious okay, hasn't played very many minutes, right? Yeah. So okay. he can't be the best defender just based on minutes. Yeah. And then Fred has not been quite as good as I think he has in pr in prior seasons. Yeah, I feel like the Maxi game really. Uh, again, not to go back to this again, but I feel like that kind of erased the. Uh, Come on, some low, of the good lower back stiffness, man. Yeah. yeah, like Why it's really early. I, I'm just saying seven Why games in, OG has been so clearly their best defender. Yeah. And honestly, you guys need to shoot higher than an all defensive team. Get them on the get them okay. on the get them on the voting list for defense player of the year. Okay, okay. let's get the let's early go. agenda well, we, watch. We need to bargain though. Like this is a bartering system. Like he would need to, you know, I think you need to sit down with OG for a 30 minute interview. Yeah. And then we can make the push. Good lord, man. You're about oh, to hear every question ever asked. <laughs> Vogue's <laughs> 736 uh, questions with OG and Anobi. What, where, when, where? <laughs> like everything, like man. Peanut butter or jelly? Oh, uh, he probably, yeah. But yeah. why? Yes. Just ask him why after you know every single I'm going to ask some questions that people have never thought about. Like, why are you afraid of cottage cheese? Remember yeah. when OG. But you know, he'll literally be like, why not? That's fine. That's a good answer. Okay, next. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have like we'll 800 do, more. We'll do a prep. We'll do a prep show before. 
where you hit me with all the questions and I'll be OG. I like that idea actually. Yeah. All right, let's make it. Let's make this happen. OG and Obi uh, sit down interview exclusive interview request. Yeah, and and in um, exchange, we'll make the defensive. Uh, you know, that's fair. Push. No, but I, I just want to track like the agenda so we have to push this season because okay. we have the okay. Pascal top five agenda, which he I said for himself. I think he's pushing that himself. So he's I don't think he needs himself. any help right now. That one's easy, right? Yeah. We've already seen about like number four on the MVP ladder. Week one, obviously, that's the most important MVP ladder. What's this MVP ladder. Oh, is it from NBA.com? Yeah, the MVP yeah. ladder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. People are just Toronto fans get real excited. It's like whoever climbs a ladder first wins. Like this. Wait is till like wait till Brendan Haywood camp. says something nice about the Raptors. Um, They'll be like, I've always kidding. loved Brendan Haywood. Shout to the Raptors fans. Um, okay, so we got the top five. Yes. for for Pascal. For Pascal. That's a check mark. We right got to put. Like, an, are we pushing all star? How many all stars are we pushing for? Pascal, obviously, we don't even have to push. He's Again, I don't think we have to push Pascal. What about Fred? Are we pushing Fred all star? It's probably harder to do this year. I'm not gonna lie. I don't. Harder. Last I don't, year it was like he carried the team. I don't this even year, think Fred's pushing that. for no, Fred to go to all star. Fred's oh, straight okay. up being like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, I took the step back so that everyone." Yeah, Fred else. is like the, he said that Fred's trying to be the off ball all star this season. Yeah. Okay. So I don't think we're pushing for Fred. I think the fans will be pushing for Scotty. If the numbers are there. Okay. Okay. All right. So we got to push Scotty for all-star. Okay. Scotty, right. by the way, has to push TBD himself for all-star. TBD. Though. We can't push these things if they're not deserved. Right. Are you saying it's too early or something? It's very early. <laughs> no, no, no. I just want to track it, though, because we when we have the national reporters on, we have to, like, put it in their ear all year. You know sure. I mean? yeah. You know, like, when we have Windhorse on eventually, they'll be like, mm, you know who's great at defense? OG. Yeah. You know who's maybe the best in the league at defense OG. Like, are we pushing like the OG for all defense then? If it's deserved. Yes. So okay. far, I think it's so deserved. far, so far, it's deserved. so far, Absolutely. it's deserved. Okay. Yeah. All right. Nick for head coach again. Again, we got a barter. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Another, another <laughs> Nick is, appearance. Uh, this is access journalism. I could be like, Nick, know? I read your book and uh, on no, page we can six. push for Nick, but like, it's so hard, man. Like the Raptors would need to be the number one seed. Yeah. They'd need to win like 55 games. Yeah. So that's fair. That's what I'm saying. Like no, no off nights, man. Jacques Vaughn. For, uh, <laughs> Coach of the year. This guy just randomly saying Jacques Vaughn. Nah, he's not even winning Coach of the Week. Man. I never, see, I've never seen a beard go white like that. Man. Oh man, oh man, stressful. Looks like, um, like David Letterman, man. <laughs> oh man, Netflix David Letterman era. Yo, I actually want a Netflix special on the Brooklyn Nets, like the last like three, four years. Oh, you're about to get it, I think. Yeah. All right, yeah. we got we got to pivot to Brooklyn Nets talk before we go to break. Oh, do we? I uh, thought we were just going to spend the whole second segment talking about it. Oh, the whole I was going to talk about Scotty Barnes returning his $400 shirt. You don't want to talk about Otto Porter Jr. Good. upgraded to probable? Yeah, I was also saving that for the end. <laughs> <laughs> Once again. Okay. You host, I produce. All right, fine. You know what? <laughs> Season two tension on the Raptor yeah. show. No, no, you're going to host for the second segment because we're going to take a break instead. And okay, when we come back, we'll talk host. Brooklyn Nets. All right. And we'll talk Let's about uh, Otto Porter returning to the team, making his debut. We'll talk yes. about uh, Scotty Barnes. <laughs> returning a $400 shirt um, and all that good stuff. So I've been your host, Will Lou. That's Alex Wong. This is Oren Weisfeld. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers Sportsbook award winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1 866 531 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wim Liu. Uh, joining me is co-host and producer Alex Wong and also Oren Weisfeld, writer at large. Um, all right, so I've agreed to turn the hosting duties over to Alex, who is uh, probably more natural as a host. So go ahead, man. Thank God. Um, so first topic, guys. Uh, Scotty Barnes was a viral video. Um, I think it was clipped by um, shouts to the account Raptors Moments. Shout out to Raptors yeah, Moments, Yeah, Moments. Just some. Um, yeah, apologies. Just um, you know, wasn't familiar with your work. Just followed you yesterday, very late on that. Um, but but shout outs. Yeah. So Scotty was on. Um, I'm gonna need the uh, you know you two young kids here to help me. So these are like Twitch streams that he's on when he's playing video games. Yes. yes. Okay. A very okay. classic thing for people who play video games is to just go on Twitch and stream themselves okay. playing video games. Still don't get why people would want to watch that, but I guess it's Scotty. No, so it's pretty engaging. Honestly, I kind of like it. Okay. Yeah, it's like why would you want to watch people play basketball when you can play basketball? Huh. Okay. Shouts of Avec Jacob, top 1,000 FIFA online player in the world. Fine, man. I play him till draw. To be continued on the banter pod. So, Scotty went to the Nick Nurse Foundation event where, you know, Neil was performing. Yes. <laughs> the, the top three things mentioned on this podcast are, are, are Rice. Yeah. Emma J. Brown. Uh, no. I mean, yeah, kind of. But yeah. uh, Neo and Tyrese Maxey. This is, this is somehow yeah, the, this the is a, of you know, show. We're, we're trying to find our footing for season two. But so Scotty wore a uh, nice, you know, black dress shirt to the event. Yeah. And he revealed that he went to the mall, uh, most likely Eaton Center, I'm going to guess. Yeah, what do you think? He took the... Dufferin Mall. The Queen Streetcar to Queen Station, then went to the shop. Then yeah. continued on the that Queen That streetcar is always 33 minutes late, man. <laughs> Yeah, it, it Yo, had to tough, be man. Every you know how you can text that number and it tells you when the next one's coming? Yeah, I did It's that. just like... Please use the transit app, It's just app, like man. 33 what's, what's minutes. What's the best transit app? It's just called yeah. transit. It's like a green one. Oh. Yeah. Well, some of us hop Free on the streetcar and actually app. pay and stuff, so... Not me. You know? I, I, actually, I scoot, that's why. That's why not me. Oh, okay. But yeah, basketball players don't go north of Bloor, so had to be. Had to be Eaton Center. Yeah. And the only reason I go to Bloor is because whole Renfrew is there. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm on to NBA players, man. Y'all, y'all ain't low. <laughs> if you, if you wanna, we should put together a guide of how to run into NBA players in the city. No, that alone. That's true. Yeah, do like bad. That alone gonna, create bad. That's a freelance our, assignment for you. Or. Our greatest, our great relationship with Raptors PR this season, man. I feel like we should. Shoppers Drug Mart, you know, on Queens Key. A lot, a lot of players <laughs> frequent that. <laughs> Cactus Club. Uh, Anyways, right. back to the topic. Their so names are <laughs> so Scotty. <laughs> Scotty says he bought this $400 shirt and he was, he very proudly declared that he returned it. Yeah. After going to the Neo yeah. event. Yeah. As yeah. a, you know, as a frugal SVP shopper, I'm sure yeah. you, you're on the wrong side of history on this one and you agree with it. Um, that it's the right move, that it's okay. Buy I, a shirt for one evening, return it. I mean, like, it, it's a pretty good move. <laughs> first off well, I, what what you have to do though in this scenario is keep the tags on though so did he wear the tags on to the neo concert i mean i think he could have also he was moving around and moving a lot so like there were probably some sweat in that shirt too i mean he's scotty barnes i think he can roll in and just be like hey this didn't fit right but don't you think someone would have whipped out their phone and was like yo check out scotty you returning a 400 dollars shirt <laughs> you gotta do better fam <laughs> Orn, where do you stand yeah, on this on the 400 dollars shirt return i would do it but I don't make like eight million dollars a year. Yeah. Like, what does he make? Eight. Yeah. Yeah. So honestly, it's crazy behavior. Rich people are crazy. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, in general, no, out of context. Yeah. Like, that's like, yeah. is true. Yeah. Yeah. You see, what rich I, people yeah. are wild. See what's yeah, happening on Twitter. Right I now, would not so. have expected that from him. 
Mm. Um, but I f- I can relate. So there's that. Okay. I would say uh, one time I was in an unnamed uh, NBA player's um, home. And yeah. They had the the no name toilet. My boy William. Not not him. Not Chris. I promise not Chris. I never toilet paper. No name. That's unacceptable. Two ply. That's unacceptable. Anyway, we're gonna if you're on. gonna spend on something, that's a good thing to spend on. I agree. Yeah. 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 Have you guys ever returned big ticket items? Toilet paper. <laughs> okay, definitely don't return toilet paper. Have I returned big ticket items? Um, I would yeah, never buy definitely. a $400 shirt, so. Hmm. $400 no. shirt. What's the most you spent on a shirt, Oren? Maybe 100 100 bucks. That's a nice mm. shirt. Thanks. How winners. Nice. 40 Nice. Mm. Used to work at Winners. Some of my best days. What'd you do? <laughs> Fitting room. <laughs> Men's department. You're like, yo, come Cashier. On, you're like, Great stop, time, stop trying to take five shirts and, and, and tell me it's three. Yeah. Used to be like, you know, hang out with the secret shoppers, catch people like shoplifting and stuff. Really? Yeah, it's good times. Did you, what would like, you, you, you do yeah. afterwards? I would just let them go. You know? That's what I'm <laughs> like, saying. Like, what are you really it's supposed a democracy. to do? Like, what am I going to do? Man? Like, Anyways. Hey, you got to pay for that $10 shirt. And they're like, do I? Brooklyn Nets show is here now. Okay. Yeah. It's the Nets show. So Brooklyn Nets fell mm. to two and six last night. Yes. In uh, Jacques Vaughn's debut. <laughs> How many times has he debuted as coach for the Nets? Allow me to reintroduce myself. (laughs) My name is Jacques. (laughs) J to the AC. Um, Don't freestyle, Alex. Um, Uh. So, two and six now. We, you know, yesterday was obviously a whirlwind day Uh for for the Brooklyn Nets, and and all this talk now. You know, Sean Marks did come out and say that they haven't made a decision on who they're going to hire as the next head coach. I mean. We and of course, all the reports are out there that they're, you know, the favorite is Ime Udoka. Who um, was, by the way, an assistant coach with the Nets. Yeah. Before he went to, you know, head coach the Celtics. Probably not the best person in this scenario. I mean. <laughs> so, like, I'm just going to, you know, breaking news there, hot take. Yeah. Like, given all the, you know, all the reports that's come out of Boston and given the fact that the Celtics are literally, you know, reportedly being like, yeah, go ahead and take them. Like, we don't need to talk mm. compensation. Mm-hmm. Like, they just want to move on. They don't want a second-round pick? No, they just want to move on, yeah, um, you know, from all the, all the you know, controversy surrounding him. I hope they don't hire Ime. Um, they're know. hiring Ime. They're, they're Why are we acting Ime? like this hasn't already happened? Also, Kyrie they're, and they're hiring I still... That's all it takes, honestly. It's like, oh, who do you like? Yeah. Like, it, you know, I've been out here being a Josai stan, um... Just because yeah. I want a Nets jersey with, you know, the number billion on the back that says Psy, but I can't support this. You want nine zeros on your back? <laughs> I mean, I want nine zeros on my bank too, but yeah, fair. no, I just, Six wh- will do. here's, this goes back to what I was doing or what I was saying yesterday. Like, what is the point of all this? Like the KD <laughs> yeah, I agree, yeah. and Kyrie experiment is over. Yeah, it's over. Like I get if you're trying to build something and you're like, oh, we got a five year window right now mm. to win a championship. No, like Kyrie's contract expires at the end of the year. He could be out of the league before then. You have Katie long term. You have Ben Simmons. Sure. The rest of the roster, honestly, not that impressive. Like this is a one year thing if you're thinking about trying to pull this group together. Mm-hmm. So why don't they just rebuild? Why don't they just start the process of getting rid of the players? Why push all in one more time? I actually don't get it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you in terms of this is coming to an end, and I don't see how this team can become championship contenders. 
Um, but at the same time, I get it. It's like you get Kyrie and KD in the door and you want to give it one more shot because before, you know, you send KD out the door and whatever. So I, I get the idea of bringing an experienced coach in and, and trying to turn it around like in theory. But in reality, this team has so many more problems than like Steve Nash or whatever like Kyrie is is a walking circus and that actually affects what's happening on the court um KD has been good this year but not even like among the best players in the league I don't think and and I think a lot of that is the roster around him which is just like they have one center I I was listening to the broadcast the other day actually against I forget uh the that's Bulls a, that's the only good thing about watching the Nets is they have a really good broadcast team at least Shots yeah, they do. Eagle. They do. But so I was watching that against the Bulls, and they said that the Nets front office, and this is where Sean Marks, I can talk about him later, like they thought that Ben Simmons could play a lot of the five this year, and that's why they didn't get a veteran center, and they only have Claxton on the roster pretty much. Like, When has he played the five at a consistent exactly, high level? Exactly. So if that's your thinking, then the front office is in the wrong for this roster yes. building because – that was never going to happen, especially with the wings on this team, which are not like suited to give Ben Simmons at the five enough protection. Uh, and Ben Simmons is coming off back surgery, and he's never played the five. And like, w- when has that ever been successful? I just, I think top down, this is a disaster. And I think you're right. Like, they need to eventually have a fire sale. They need to have it now. No, they need to relegate the team, man. I'm, I'm serious. Like, I'm, I'm. This is a very despicable team. Yeah. Like it just like from top down, like the 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 headlines out of like Brooklyn are just exclusively bad. When they make the playoffs, they get swept. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, they the, the the players on the team, Kevin Durant somehow is like maybe the least dislikable player on, on, in in terms of the major principles there because all he did was just ask for a trade out of the situation, which honestly in, in, in retrospect makes a lot of sense. Exactly. However, you did sign a four year deal. Yeah. And before that extension even kicks in, you ask out. That's a whole mm-hmm. drama, right? Thank you for the content for the offseason. But honestly, nothing even happened from it. So everyone's kind of upset about that situation. You have Kyrie, which is his own thing, actively destructive. Then you got Ben, who, you know, it just feels like it's such a, a like, the, the two biggest, like, jokes in the league in terms of people keep going at these guys no matter what is Westbrook and Ben Simmons. Like, people, you, you see hate posts for these guys. Like, usually what happens with players is they play well, but they're the stat graphic, like, you know, Pascal Siakam at 31 points, 12 rebounds, 6, you know, assists, you know, mm-hmm. plus minus, blah, 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 and they post a picture of him, right? These are only two guys in the league you consistently see hate posts for. Like, you see Westbrook shooting 0 for 15 from the field with 4 points and a minus 30, or like Ben Simmons with 6 fouls and whatever, right? Like, these are like, that. that's that's that portion of it. You have players who have just, like, missed so much time in addition to that. They have fired how many coaches now, right? Somehow they're, like, their owners and every single player on that team is in controversy. And then they're going to add to it with email. Like they actually just don't care. Plus apparently I heard that they have the lowest like season ticket holder base. And I get it. It's not like the Nets franchise. I mean, they literally moved from New Jersey to Brooklyn. So obviously you probably lose some people with the tickets to that point, but nobody buys tickets to this game. Mm-hmm. It's a, a, a really just trash product on the court. It's a trash product off the court. Like, what is the purpose of this team? It's actually genuinely bad for the NBA to have the Brooklyn Nets in their current state. Yeah. Relocate no, the team. I think I think with just Kyrie and, you know, with, with the potential of bringing Ime, it's like, you know, at some point, like, as an organization, like, you just have to, like, stand for something. Like, and, and I think it's just like, and, like, the most cynical 
you know, a way for me to look at it is like, this is not even worth it. You guys are two and six and you're not a good team. Right? Like if you're a real cynical person, you look at it as a pursuit of a championship, then you're like, okay, fine. You know, you know, an organization is willing to put up with all this. Like we're not supportive of it, but you know, the, the team is producing the, the end goal that they want on the court. Mm-hmm. But when you add in the fact that they're not even a good team, like what is the point of all this? Like what is the point of even bringing in Ime Doka and like upsetting the fan base and like, you know, like making a statement as an organization that you're willing, you know, to, to stand with these players and these coaches for a pursuit of what? For a 36 and 46 record? Yeah, that's the thing. Like the way they come off looking right now. Sorry, did I cut you off? No. Is is so bad because regardless, like we still don't know what happened with Ime in Boston. That the reporting just hasn't come out. We know a little bit, but we don't know the full story. But regardless of if it was really bad or if it wasn't that bad, it looks terrible for the Nets to to hire him when he's serving a suspension. First of all, right? Second of all, with Kyrie Irving, the fact that he hasn't been suspended or fined yet. By the yes, NBA or or the Brooklyn Nets is crazy because like people have pointed this out on Twitter, but a couple of players like Myers Leonard said in a Twitch stream some homophobic slur, and then um, Ant Edwards said on his Snapchat some homophobic stuff. Both of those guys got fined and or suspended, and they did it in their private lives on social media. Which I, I, I'm not saying the suspensions were wrong, but I'm just saying Kyrie Irving did it in an NBA press conference where he basically stood on a movie that promoted really anti-Semitic themes, including the denial of the Holocaust. So it's not like kind of anti-Semitic stuff. Yeah, it's, no, like it's like really, definitively. Yeah. yeah. The fact that the Nets haven't done anything and the NBA hasn't done anything is despicable. And like... Even the Players Association hasn't done anything. They yeah. put out a statement. They're like, we don't support anti-Semitism. It's like, but you literally have Kyrie on your... He's like, the vice president of, presidents. Yeah. Of, of the Players Association. Yeah. But and, he didn't even name him. And nor has he apologized. At least with the Myers Leonard case, he apologized for what he said. Anthony Edwards apologized for what exactly, he said. Exactly. Those what guys it. are trying to take actions to yeah. better themselves or whatever, right? He hasn't even acknowledged any of this. Yeah, and no one, listen, man. Like, no one, you know, us, us being, like, part of the quote-unquote, like, media. Like, no one needs to feel bad about the media and stuff. But it's also, like, you watch the incident with, like, Nick Ferdell, the exchange. And it's, like, it's not, it shouldn't be Nick's responsibility to be, like, you know, having that conversation and pushing Kyrie. Like, the league should be coming down. Yeah. Like, you know, like, why is it on a single reporter to actually, you know, push and ask the questions that need to be asked? Yeah. And I'll I'll say this as the program's honorary Jew today. Um, The fact that, like, just, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, the non-apology. The fact that Kyrie hasn't apologized yet and the fact that they're holding him out of doing media, which is literally a part of his job, The only reason you can speculate that they're holding him out of media is because you know he's going to get asked about, do you stand behind that documentary? Mm -hmm. And they're clearly scared of what he's going to say, whether he's not going to apologize or he's going to double down on his take. I know a lot of people are beating around this being like, well, maybe he's not anti-Semitic. He just doesn't know. It's like at a certain point, if he doesn't come out and apologize, and and if they're not letting him do media, at a certain point, he's probably anti-Semitic. And what has he ever done to earn the benefit of the doubt? In any yeah. of these conversations. Like like you mentioned, like he's never been apologetic. Like he's never even like been willing to have a conversation about these things, right? I mean, like the first time he gets pushback, like you have the incident with Nick Ferdell. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's not prepared to have the conversations, but he's prepared to like send out these messages. Yeah. So. I mean, it's just, I think it's disappointing too, because I think the league was in a really strong position in about 2020. They got a lot of praise for 
the extra cautionary measures that they took to ensure zero COVID within the NBA bubble when the, in the restart. Yeah, and then they relaxed right. that real heavy the next season. Yeah, well, that's, you know, what I guess society, like, no, that's that's society did as well. So it's that's not like fair. anything else like that, right? But in any case, they took the extra steps to do that. They took the extra cost to do that just to put on a product at that time where a lot of people couldn't really do anything other than stay home, right? We were genuinely bored out of our minds. We watched the last dance. We had react pods to the last dance. Last oh, yeah. dance wasn't that good. Online right? poker every Saturday. Yeah, online poker every Saturday. Like, we were just trying to find things to do, right? So the league was, they got a lot of credit for that, and they really should have. They, they really did their, their best with that. They full-heartedly threw their support behind the Black Lives Matter movement, which was really awesome to see. We saw on every single level, whether it was grassroots in terms of players actually taking uh, a stand and going to protests, whether that was... Um, you know, even lobbying like what the Bucks did when they like refused to play that game in the playoffs, like they actually got constitutional um, changes put into place. Like they really took the charge with that. And it was, I think, uh, for the league as a whole, they really prided themselves on that. They leaned really heavily into it. When you go now, two years later, it's been two years, man, two years later, and you look at every major headline coming out of the NBA, they all are just like, they suck. Yeah. They're, they're, they're horrible headlines every single day. Yeah. You know, like it's it's like Josh Primo, Miles Bridges, yep. you know, Ime Udoka, Robert and these, Sarver. Robert Sarver. These aren't like things that are equal, equivalent by any means, but these are all genuinely bad looks for the league. And then there's no worse look for the league than the Brooklyn Nets, the team that you see them like in their NBA promos. They always promote the Brooklyn Nets. There's always something about Brooklyn. The way you talk about the team, they're always talked about. This is one of their most marquee franchises because they have some of the most marquee players on that team. Two players who have like Nike signature shoe deals and stuff like that. That's a big deal for basketball. And, like, this is the product they ultimately get. It's genuinely a horrible look for the league. And doesn't invalidate all the good work It doesn't invalidate all the good work that it did, and it doesn't invalidate that even today. But my point is, it's just like they had a lot of progress. And when you look at it now, it's all the conversations about is this kind of stuff. Yeah, I agree. And I'll, I'll throw the media into that disappointing circle because – the NBA and the media obviously work hand in hand, but I'm talking about like the national American media. They they feast on this stuff and they it's like a feedback loop where all they want to talk about is the least the, the the small dramas. And so when we get big dramas, like that's all we hear right now. No one is talking about basketball, even though there's really good basketball being played. If you turn on ESPN right now or you listen to their podcast. Well, even this show. This, this show has nothing to do with the Nets and we're still talking about this. But yeah, it, it, and I don't blame to. us because we have to. Exactly. This is a serious situation like with Kyrie and the Nets that has to be addressed. But I just mean like in general, I do think the league and the media are – it's just a feedback loop where it's like drama is is what the fans want. And so the media are, are buying into that and they're giving it to the fans. And then – yeah, it just it's kind of disappointing that the basketball is kind of the, in the backstage right now. Yeah. No, no, it's it's fair. And I, and I think, again, like being cynical about it, like, you know, I think you made a lot of good points, Will, you know, about, you know, the good that the NBA has done, um, you know, especially in the last couple of years. But it's like, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's just a lesson. And I'm sure we've all done it too. It's like we can't we can't stand like you know the commissioners of leagues, and we can't do oh, just no, no more we just hashtag this league. <laughs> no, no, we just can't league. we just can't be standing yeah. like you know yeah. like Adam Silver, who's you know working for the 30 owners, and you know who you know this is a you know this is a billion dollar business, right? Yeah, and at the enough. end of the day, decisions are made based on that. Yeah. That's that's a good point because I remember when I didn't cover this league and I was a casual fan, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, the NBA is so progressive. Right. It is such compared to the NFL, compared to the yeah. NHL. Oh my God, the NBA, they're above that. But think about what you're comparing to, right? Yeah. 
Like you're just they're winning the battle between the billion dollar leagues. Yep. And like, and this, this past six months they aren't even winning that battle. No. No, they're genuinely losing. No, they've they're been, actually bottom the barrel. Yeah, they've been very quiet on all of this stuff. All right, we're going to hard pivot because we have to close the show with this. Transition we're going to talk about tonight's game. Um, so it's time for the Between the Lines segment brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. All right, Alex, you've been pretty good on the predictions, by the way. Shout out to the, the Losers subreddit. Uh, they've been tracking your predictions. You're 6-1. and one. Remember when you did in the offseason, you predicted oh, yeah, every I single outcome of every game in the summertime? Yeah. You're 6-1 Sh- right now. Shout out to the subreddit. Um, I'm av- avoiding that, avoiding a lot of online noise during the season. Just want to focus oh, on producing zero, the show. Zero Dark 30 for you? So okay. Zero Dark uh, yeah, zero dark 30 for me. But yeah, so the Raptors are minus 7 to <laughs> Zero Dark 38. The Raptors are minus 7, a 7-point favorite in San Antonio. Mm-hmm tonight mm-hmm. as i mentioned uh the spurs yeah. you know led by Jakob purtle uh devin i Vassell, mean genuinely led by Jakob purtle is out and and doug uh mcdermott okay if is out mm. um keldon johnson's been having a great season so far i think he's out too questionable, maybe? questionable. yeah so a lot of injuries on the spurs side yeah. but they have been an early season surprise yeah raptors are going on the road here seven point favorites how you feel i mean i what do i i, I like the raptors and oh, okay. I, yeah, I, think that's a, yeah. I think that's the whole theme of this show. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, no, that's, okay, that's, thanks. No, but that's that's what I would do. Okay. Yeah. I just think that um, they don't really have a natural defender for Pascal. Okay. Um, I think that the Spurs have been launching a lot more threes. I think their scoring is actually better than what they has been in the past. And okay. to be honest, it's just like, yeah, I think the Raptors are probably going to get a lot of stops and get on the break and score a lot. All right. Raptors, win the game. Raptors 140, Spurs 99. Otto Porter has I mean, been that would, That'd be great. Auto Porter has been upgraded to probable for tonight's game. We've run out of time to talk about this apparently. Earlier. But congrats to Auto Porter and his, and his, his Birth family. Birth child. Yeah. Yeah. Fred Van Vliet remains questionable. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's it. That was between I, the I th- lines. I think they win whether they have Fred on the court okay. or not tonight. That was, that was between the lines brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Orrin Weisfeld, thank you for joining us in studio. Yeah. Hope you'll return. Yeah. Okay, no reply from me. I'd love you're, to. You're not gonna Thanks do the, for having you me, guys. The outro, man. You, now that you're the host. Yeah, ahead. that does it for us uh, for today. I am uh, your host, Will Liu. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe and please rate and review our show. A reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel, airing live on Sportsnet 360 Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks again to producer and co-host Alex Wong, Orrin Weisfeld, our board producer, Derek Brandejo, and Jennifer Rolnick for helping us with the YouTube stream. Me and Will will be back tomorrow with special guest Amy Audibert. Talk to you then.